Thank you for listening to this teaching from Kingdom Discipleship. Did you know that Jesus promised us that heaven is an absolute and real place, and that if we know him as our Lord and Savior, he is there now preparing a place for us? Let's open our Bible now to John chapter 14 and look at this incredible and heavenly principle of being in heaven with Jesus Christ our Lord. Well, good morning and welcome to another teaching. It is Friday. Um, what is it? March 26th today and uh, or is it the 27th? Um, uh, March 26th. And it's our third um, it's our third video. Um, we're still in uh, uh, we're still the production team is still working very diligently on the uh, on getting the video up and running. Thank you so much to Stephen and uh, my daughter Kristen and Susanna and just everybody who's who's just working so hard on these. Um, again, I want to give a special thanks to to everyone who has been very gracious to give their uh, their insights and comments, not only on the production but on just on different aspects of the of the podcasts and on these uh, and on these videos. Uh, thank you to to all of you. So. Today, um, we are going to, Lord willing, uh, we will get through uh, John chapter 14, um, verses 1 through 4. I'm going to read it, and then I'm going to give a, a short introduction. This is something I haven't done before, and uh, forgive me for the itching. Um, I have uh, I've struggled with eczema for a long time, and that's why you see me itching consistently. Please, I'm sorry. I know it's probably not, it's not very nice to look at. Um, that's why I'm itching so much consistently. Um, so we're going to do John uh, chapter 14. We'll do a quick review. We did verse one in the last teaching. Uh, we'll do a quick review of that. And then Lord willing, we'll get through verse four. Um, again, like I said, I'm going to try an introduction today. Just give a, a quick uh, synopsis of what, uh, of what hopefully we'll learn um, throughout the lesson today. And then we'll get right into it. So we're going to pray. We're going to read the scriptures. Um, I'll give a short introduction, and then we will uh, we'll just uh, move right into it from there. Well, Lord Jesus, we thank you for your mercy and your favor and your goodness and your love in every aspect of our lives, Jesus. We just worship you, and we thank you, and we praise you. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Father, for the word of God and for the Son of God, our Lord and Savior and Master and King, Jesus Christ. Holy Spirit, we ask you to open our hearts now as we study your word. We ask you to give us eyes that see and ears that hear. We love you, we bless you, and we thank you. We commit this time into your hands. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. So um, we're going to go ahead and read John 14, verses 1 through 4. Um, like I said, we'll do a, I'll do a quick introduction of Lord willing what we'll learn today and what we'll come away with. And then we will uh, we'll just get right back into the verse-by-verse -verse teaching. Uh, John chapter 14, verses 1 through 4. Jesus is speaking, and he says, Do not let your hearts be troubled. 
Trust in God, trust also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I am going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. Thank you, Lord Jesus. So, what, um, what we're going to discuss today is we're going to, you know, when you're done today, um, when we're finished, hopefully you'll come away with, um, in verse 1, knowing the difference between having troubles and being troubled in heart. And, and that's a, uh, there's a big distinction there, right? Um, and, and then um, we'll talk about the, the solution to that. How is it to not have to be troubled in heart? And we'll talk about how that, you know, how that happens from trusting in your heavenly father, but, but also having to trust in Jesus in the same way. And we'll discuss that. Um, we're going to talk about that heaven is a real and certain place. And we're going to get into how, how Jesus speaks of heaven as an absolute certainty. Um, and he speaks about what heaven is like in an absolute certainty. And we'll talk about how no other religious leader in history ever did that. Um, we're going to talk about that he personally is going and is there now and is preparing a place for us. And we're going to talk about what he's preparing it with. Um, Jesus is setting up your heavenly dwelling, and we're going to talk about um, what you're sending forth to, uh, to make that dwelling, your eternal dwelling, um, the best it can be. And we're going to talk about the distinction of, of going to heaven and your reward in heaven. Um, and we're going to talk about the fact that Jesus himself is choosing to go. And, and when he says in verse 3, and, and I go, that he's choosing of his own will to go. Uh, he's not being forced. Jesus is God, and he's doing this of his own will and volition. Um, and we're going to talk about the fact, ultimately, about what heaven is about. And that, um, that heaven is about not so much, you know, just streets of gold and everything else we think about heaven. All those things are wonderful, but heaven above all else is about being with Jesus uh, in person. And so we're going to discuss that about how now in this time we're with, uh, we're with Jesus by faith, but then, you know, we'll be with him face to face and how exciting that is. Um, and finally, we'll wrap up talking about where he says in verse four, you know the way to the place where I'm going. And, and we're going to talk about the fact that if you are a believer in Jesus Christ today, then you do know you know, the way and that Jesus is the way. And, and, uh, and if you're not a believer in Jesus Christ, that hopefully today, by the end of this uh, teaching, that, that you will be candidly. So um, that's a short introduction of what we'll be discussing today. Um, thank you, Lord Jesus. So verse one, do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God, trust also in me. As we said last time, there is a difference between um, having troubles and being troubled. 
there is a significant difference between that. Jesus never said we would not have troubles in life. Um, Jesus does allow difficulties and trials and troubles and hardships to come into our lives. And, and he wants to use those trials to help us and to serve us, to, uh, to know him better and to be in deeper, more intimate relationship with him and with our Heavenly Father and with the Holy Spirit. Um, but, he, but even though we have trouble in life, Jesus is commanding us here that we don't have to be troubled that we don't have to be fearful, that we, he doesn't want us to be worried and concerned all the time. And certainly that is a, uh, a significant thing that we struggle with in the church, in the body of Christ. We struggle with um, consistent worry and fear. And, and Jesus commands us here. We said last time, it's not a request, it's a command that, that we are not to have troubled hearts. He commands us in Matthew chapter 6, if you recall, he commands us not to worry. And, and this is a hard one not to do. This is a hard one to obey for most of us, right? Because uh, it's, it's hard to, to not be worried, to not be fearful, to not be concerned. But how do you do this? He says, do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God, and he means God the Father. Trust also in me. And what we said last time is this is a, uh, an overwhelming statement because in the statement, he makes himself equal to God the Father. Um, you know, this is, uh, you know, people were listening in to him speak. And when he said this, they saw a man speak, but a man speaking, Jesus, in this statement made himself equal to God. And, and this, would, this was a profound statement. This would have been overwhelming, and it's overwhelming to us today. Because, you know, every other religion in the world, every other religion in the world tells you to believe in God and to trust in God. But Jesus says, trust in God, trust also in me. And, and that is a necessity. That is an absolute necessity if if we are not to be troubled, to have anything, to be saved, to, to have your sins forgiven, um, to have life, to have peace, to have harmony, to have anything in this life, you do need to believe and trust in God and that there is a God. But, but you and I also need to trust and know and walk in relationship with, with Jesus Christ. Um, we did this in Bible study on Tuesday. And my brother Caleb just, just uh, brought up a tremendous point about, again, how all the other religions in the world talk about God and, you know, believing in God and doing, doing good for God, but, but only in biblical Christianity. And we see Jesus from his own mouth here talking about relationship with him, not just doing for God, not just giving to God, but having relationship with God and with Jesus and with the Holy Spirit. And the only way we can have that is in and through Jesus Christ. And the Bible is clear in that. So wherever you are today, if you're struggling and you are someone, and, and I confess I, I've had this problem in my own life, uh, regrettably, consistently, if you struggle with worry or fear or concern, and it can be about anything, um, I mean, you can be in a place where financially you're just doing very well, but then 
you just have all these details in your life and just things going on and you're consistently either worried about them or frustrated about them or irritated about them. Whatever the trouble is, you know, you could be struggling spiritually, physically, emotionally, financially, or relationally, right, Melanie? And whatever the struggle is, the solution is to trust in your heavenly father and to equally and by necessity trust in Jesus Christ. Because it's only in and through Jesus Christ that we have relationship with the Father and that our prayers can be answered. Um, so wherever you are today, for most of us as Christians, we often have a relationship with our Father. But Jesus is making clear here, really throughout this chapter, that, that it's in and through him that you really de uh, develop a relationship with the Father. So take time today. Um, you know, when you walk away today, walk away with, with really desiring to cultivate your relationship with Jesus Christ himself more. And what I mean by that is, again, our God is a triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. They're all God. And you want to have a, a, an intimate and growing relationship with all of them, not only corporately under the Godhead, but individually. So. If you're a Christian today and you've received Jesus Christ as your Savior, but really you never talk about Jesus, you never pray to Jesus, you never, um, you never pursue relationship with the Son of God, God the Son, Jesus personally, do that today. Reach out to Jesus. Start praying directly to Jesus. Start thanking Jesus directly, as, a, as opposed to using the generic word God. Talk to Jesus directly and, and, and tell him that you want to know him better. You want to walk with him personally, uh, more intimately, as well, of course, as your heavenly father and the Holy Spirit. But let's get to know Jesus better. And as you know Jesus better, you'll know your father better. You'll know the Holy Spirit better. So hopefully that makes sense. Um, the key to our hearts um, not being worried or concerned or troubled or fearful is a growing and intimate relationship with Jesus Christ, our Lord. And, and Jesus is God, and it's only in and through Jesus. You remember Jesus said, with me, you can do all things. Without me, you can do nothing. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Verse 2. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I am going there to prepare a place for you. Wow. Um, as I was studying for this, I had learned that uh, something I didn't know. Um, most of us know the three great philosophers, the, the incredible three men um, who had tremendous reason and logic, who we study in school and in college. Um, and in this order, there's Socrates, Plato, and Aristotle. And a, a philosopher, you know, comes to conclusions based on reason and logic um, and truth. And, and to that end, Jesus would have been the greatest philosopher of all time. Now, the problem with philosophy is it doesn't also have faith. And in the scriptures, it says in, in Hebrews 11 that without faith, it's impossible to please God. So, although reason and logic and truth are imperative 
And, and there was no one that was more sound in reason, logic, and truth than Jesus Christ, God the Son. But we see something here so tremendous. Um, and what I, was, what I was studying is that uh, Socrates, and again, Socrates was the first of the great philosophers. Socrates mentored Plato and Plato Aristotle. Um, but Socrates, in the waning hours of his life, in the last few weeks or months of his life, um, when, when his friends or Plato would come to visit him, um, Socrates would, would ponder about the next life. Socrates would discuss the next life. Socrates would wonder, and that's a big word, he would wonder about the next life. And Every other religious leader in the world, this is so exciting, every other religious leader in the world, Scott, will wonder about heaven and what heaven's going to be like and, you know, um, what's going to happen there. And we would wonder if it's, you know, when Socrates was doing it, he was talking about really, he hoped that it would be like this and it would be a place and that he would be able to enjoy himself and do all these things. But think about those words, Socrates and every other religious leader of all the different religions, they wonder and they hope. But look at Jesus in this statement. This is not a statement. The great Socrates, one of the most revered teachers in all world history, Socrates wonders, Socrates hopes, Socrates just considers Jesus Christ in this statement is certain. Yeah. Jesus Christ is not wondering about heaven. In this verse 2 of John chapter 14 is so encouraging because Jesus isn't wondering like Socrates. Jesus isn't hoping. Jesus isn't considering. Look at this statement. In my father's house, number one, Jesus says there is absolutely a heaven, and it's called the Father's house, okay? Heaven is a place that's the house of God the Father, the first member of the Trinity. God the Son is the second, God the Holy Spirit's the third. But, but you got to get this. This is so exciting, okay? When Jesus speaks, this is an absolute certainty. No wondering, no hope, right, May? No pontificating. In my Father's house, Sarah are many rooms. Jesus speaks with absolute authority. He speaks as one who's been there and is telling you and telling me that you can be undoubtedly certain. You don't have to hope like the great Socrates or Plato or Aristotle about the next life. If you're in Jesus Christ today, you can be certain. Certain by the words of Jesus Christ himself. No one spoke like Jesus. No one ever would have had such boldness. He's telling you not only that there is a heaven, but what heaven is going to be like, that it will be a dwelling place. He's even going to tell you that he personally is preparing a place for you if you're a believer in Jesus Christ today. Is that not remarkable, Kristen? In my father's house, are many rooms. Um, some versions say mansions, right? Um, instead of rooms. 
because uh, it's going to be in heaven. And uh, some versions use the word translate rooms to mansions um, because of just the quality of what the dwelling will be like. Um, so, so get that deep down. Jesus Christ in this verse is assuring you, assuring me that heaven is a real tangible place. He's speaking as one who has resided there for eternity, who has now come to earth and is not telling you what it might be, what he thinks. He's telling you what it absolutely is. Lord Jesus, I ask you to help us by faith to grasp this word that we don't have to hope about a heaven. We don't have to wonder, Lord. Lord, I ask you just to do a work in our heart that we know that we know that we know by your very words here, Jesus, that this is a certainty and that you spoke of it in absolute terms like no one else in history, Lord. Lord, I ask you to seal that to our hearts. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Wow, golly. Mm. Man, golly, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, look at what he says here. He wants to drive home the certainty of this for us. If it were not so, Gwenda, I would have told you. So look what he says there. It's a, it's a certainty. It's absolute. He said, if there was not a heaven, if this whole thing wasn't right, if 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 anything was amiss, Jesus said, I would have straightened it out. In my father's house are many dwellings, many rooms, and if that wasn't the case, I would have told you. Now, try to think about that statement because this is exciting too. Jesus is saying that he's going to tell you everything you need. And if there was something amiss, he will tell you. I would have told you. Those are his words. Do you know when you read the words of the gospel, y'all? Jesus is telling you everything you need to know. The entire Bible is the word of the living God. The gospels, we see the words of Christ and read where Jesus, when he became a man, spoke these words himself. But Jesus tells you every single thing you need. When you read your Bible, when you study the word of God, Jesus is telling you everything you need. And if there's something you don't know, that's because, you, because everything he's told you is what you need to know. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. That's just so powerful, okay? You know that you have all you need in the Word of God and in the Son of God. In Jesus, the Son of God. And in your Bible, in the word of God, you, you have all you need. And I have all I need. Thank you, Lord Jesus. The, the rest of verse 2 is profound in its own right. It's all profound, of course. But he says, in my father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I am going there to prepare a place for you. Let's focus on those first three words. I am going. Remember, it's Jesus speaking. And he says, I am going. This is a choice. Later in the book, Jesus proclaims that 
No one takes my life from me. I lay it down of my own accord. I pick it up of my own accord. Jesus is full-blown, complete, and total God. When he says this, we already said in verse 1, trust in God, he makes himself equal, trust also in me. But look what he says here. I am going. This is a choice. Everything Jesus did, he did by his own choice, his own will, his own volition. Sometimes we have this, this, this idea like, you know, like God the Father is bossing God the Son, or God the Son is bossing the Holy Spirit. This is not how it works, okay? The Bible is clear that the Trinity is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And it does set God the Father, right, as the, as the first member of the Trinity, and God the Son is the second, and God the Holy Spirit is the third. But they are all equal in their essence, in their person as God. They are completely one and unified in literally everything. And if there was a word beyond everything, that would be it. They don't disagree on anything. They don't have conversations. They don't say, yeah, maybe we should do this. Well, now maybe we should do this. They're all perfect. They're all holy. They're all all-powerful, all-knowing, omnipresent, everywhere, all at the same time. Um, Jesus chose to take on a human flesh for you and for me. He chose to live a perfect life for you and for me. He chose to die a perfect death on your behalf and on my behalf, in your place and in my place. Then he chose to be raised from the dead. Remember, no one takes my life from me. I lay it down of my own accord. I pick it up of my own accord. Wow. It's just as powerful, right? So, these words, I am going. He's choosing what he wants to do. He is God, and all that he's doing, he's doing based on his own choice. He's not, no one is, you know, no one is pushing him to do it. Certainly no humanity is pushing him to do it. And obviously him and God the Father and the Son were on the same page in doing it. Does that make sense? I am going to prepare a place for you. Now, there's something very interesting in here. Number one, there is a place personally for you in heaven, Chloe. For all of you, if you know Jesus Christ today, if you've trusted in Jesus Christ as your only Lord and Savior today, there is a place for you in heaven. If you have not trusted in Jesus Christ today, let today be the day. Let now be the day that you give your life to Jesus. Have you ever given your life to Jesus Christ? Romans 10.13 says, Tom, that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Have you called on Jesus? Have you gone to Jesus wherever you are? Have you gone and prayed, Lord Jesus, I confess I'm a sinful person. Lord, I know I can't save myself. I'm hopeless. But Jesus, I believe the word of God. I believe that you lived a perfect life for me and that you died a perfect death for me. And I believe that you're alive and risen. And therefore, Lord Jesus, I ask you now to come into my heart, to be the Lord of my life, to save me from my sin and to bring me to heaven when I die. Lord Jesus, I place all my faith and trust and confidence in you alone to save me and to be my everlasting Lord and God. 
you'll pray that today, if you'll invite Jesus into your heart today, sincerely and meaningfully, Jesus will come and he will be the Lord of your life. God the Father will be your heavenly Father. Jesus Christ will be your Lord and Savior and Master and King and God. You'll be his husband. You'll be part of the bride of Christ. We say this all the time. And the Holy Spirit will become your, your God, your guide, your counselor, your comforter. And Jesus then will be preparing a place for you. So what does he mean when he says, I am going there to prepare a place for you? Um, first of all, it's, it's so profound, y'all, that he's doing it himself. This is the son of God saying, number one, I'm going on my timetable and I am preparing the place for you personally. You're married to Jesus. Right, Lauren, you're part of the, the body of Christ. And your husband and my husband, Jesus, is part of his, you know, what you would call it, part of what he does, part of what he's given himself to do, part of the duties he's assigned to himself is to prepare a place for each genuine believer in Jesus Christ. It's incredible. I am going to prepare a place for you. Jesus has gone. Now the question is, what is he using to prepare your dwelling in heaven? Now before we answer that, let's say let's let's get this understanding. If you've put your faith in Jesus Christ, there's nothing you can do to help yourself be saved from your sin and go to heaven. That that's entirely based on what Jesus has done and you relying on him for the salvation of your soul and the forgiveness of your sins. There's nothing you do, no work you can do helps save you. Nothing you do takes away sin. We need a savior. I need a savior. And that's by fully, totally, and completely trusting only in Jesus Christ and in nothing else, including ourselves, in any manner, in any way. Now, that's how we go to heaven. That's how we have our sins forgiven. That's how we come into relationship with the triune God. But now your reward in heaven, your dwelling place in heaven, the extent to which you experience heaven, your position in heaven, that is going to be dependent on how you and I live our lives in Jesus Christ from the time that we received him as our Lord and Savior. So, again, your reward in heaven is very de much dependent, entirely dependent on how you cooperated with Jesus in this life for the advancement of the gospel, the advancement of the kingdom of God and the word of God and the son of God. All of that, how you cooperate with Jesus, moment by moment, day by day, week by week, year by year, how you repent when you fall short, how I repent, all of this is what will determine our reward in heaven. You remember when, when Jesus um, told us in, in Matthew, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So what are you sending forth today? 
Chris, what are you sending forth today to Jesus? What are you storing up in your heavenly bank account, Jesse? What are you giving Jesus to make your, your heavenly house, Sarah? You know, many of us have beautiful, beautiful homes. Some of us are building homes. Um, some of us are just very, very, very blessed to see these teachings. And, um, you know, we, we know all that goes into the building of a, of, a, of a beautiful earthly home, right? But so much more important than that is your heavenly dwelling. So again, you're going to go to heaven if you've received Jesus Christ. If you have never received Jesus, just pause this. Go back. The, the prayer I gave you was a model prayer. The important things is you can use those words, but you, you have to mean them and be sincere when you call on Jesus. And Romans 10, 13 promises that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Thank you, Lord Jesus. But now that you have received Jesus and you are a disciple, a Christian, um, a disciple of Jesus Christ, a disciple is someone who's first become a Christian, received Jesus as their Savior, and now they're a disciplined follower of Jesus. They're growing to know Jesus, spend time with Jesus, uh, you know, deepening their relationship with Jesus, Nathan. Um, a disciple of Jesus is, is wants to live their life in pleasing Jesus and bearing fruit for Jesus. And the more we do that, the more we cooperate with Jesus personally, each believer, each Christian, each disciple, the more we personally cooperate with Jesus in the advancement of his kingdom, Armando, right? In, in the advancement of the gospel, Ezekiel, bearing fruit for the kingdom of God, Dr. John, right? The more we cooperate within in this, the more we will have a greater reward in heaven, Vinod, right? Um, so again, and I know I'm belaboring this point, but it's so important because there are Christian denominations who get it confused. Nothing you do, nothing I do helps save us. Nothing we do takes away our sins. Nothing we do brings us into relationship with our Heavenly Father. Nothing we do will help us get to heaven. But after we've become Christians, after we've received the grace of God by faith in Jesus Christ our Lord, and we've become children of our Heavenly Father, then everything we do will determine our reward in heaven, our position in heaven, um, how we experience heaven. Um, I remember my, uh, my sister Wendy was, um, you know, she was doing a lot of study on, um, you know, on, on the different rewards in heaven. And she was passionate about this. And we, we talked about how, you know, although all Christians, all true Christians will be in heaven, none of us will have the same reward in heaven. And we talked about how if we're both in heaven, you and me, and if Wendy's a general in heaven, I'm sorry, if we're both in the army, right? And Wendy's a general in the army and I'm a private, we're both in the army. But it's a completely different experience. It's the same way. Um, if you're both, if you have two Christians, 
And they've both trusted Jesus Christ, but one Christian is a disciple of Jesus that's that's cooperated with Jesus substantially and meaningfully and repented consistently where they fall short and keeps growing in Jesus and bearing fruit for the kingdom of God. Their reward in heaven and position in heaven will be much more substantial than uh, a Christian who's saved but but did not cooperate with Jesus and with our Heavenly Father and with the Holy Spirit. If uh, if Stephen and I go to the Dallas Cowboy game and Stephen's in the front row and I'm in the back, we're both there. We're both in the stadium, but it's a completely different experience. Uh, he's on the front row watching the game and I'm in the back row. And it's, it's almost an entirely different experience. Again, heaven will be beautiful. It will be wonderful. You'll be perfectly content no matter what your reward. But your position in heaven, your responsibilities in heaven, the work that Jesus gives you to do in heaven, how you experience heaven, and how close you are to Jesus in heaven will, um, will be determined by your cooperation with Jesus for the advancement of his kingdom, the glory of his name, the advancement of the gospel in this life, the advancement of the word of God in this life. So Jesus is preparing a place for us. He's using whatever treasure we send forth in the way of, of, of how we're working with him in the advancement of your kingdom. And you do that in many ways, right? We bear fruit for Jesus spiritually, physically, um, financially, relationally. How are you using your time, your talents, your treasure, your money? All of these things, when we use them in the advancement of the kingdom of God, the Son of God, and the Word of God, is what Jesus is using to prepare your place. So let's you and I, you know, um, be zealous in sending forth um, good treasures to heaven for Jesus to kind of decorate our house and prepare our house. Uh, I've had so many good, uh, you know, just... um, you know, recommendations about the, the different aspects of the production of the podcast. And, and just thank you. Just y'all, just some of you are so, are so very gifted in this. Um, I, uh, regrettably, I'm not very gifted I'm not in a whole lot of stuff, but certainly not, you know, hopefully I'm dressing a little nicer. Um, I've shaved, as my wife said, uh, you know, and so, um, but thank you. Um, those who are gifted at decorating homes and houses and making everything look look beautiful and perfect, we need to have that heart for our heavenly, our heavenly dwelling. So hopefully that makes sense. So verse three, and if I go and prepare a place for you, which he said he is doing, and and this is, this is, this is, this is, this is the most important part of heaven. If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back. Jesus will come back. He is coming. And once again, you don't, you don't see any if. You don't see he is going, right? He is going to prepare a place for you. He just said, I am going, and because I'm going, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. Wow. What's the, what's the, what's the most significant part of being in heaven? Can you all think of it? If you stop and try to think of it, if you pause the tape and try to think, what's the single most significant important part of being in heaven? It's not the gold streets. It's not the the nice dwelling you have. It's not all the treasure that you sent forth. All these things are wonderful, right? But by and far, infinitely more important than everything else 
The most important about, thing about going to heaven is that you're going to be with Jesus. Then I'm going to be with Jesus. We're going to be with our Savior, our King, that loved us and laid his life down for us. Every other king in the world asked his subjects to lay down their lives for him. Our King Jesus came from heaven, became a man, and laid down his life for us. And when we leave this body, if you're in Jesus Christ today and you're a true believer in Jesus Christ, the most exciting part about heaven by and far is that you will be with Jesus face to face. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Again, you just look at these terms. And if I go and prepare a place for you, which you just said he is doing, right? I am going to prepare a place for you, he says at the end of verse 2. And he says, if I go and prepare a place for you, know this, be certain of this. I will come back. Again, do you see him? these words? I am. I am. There's no doubt of it. He's telling you as certain as there is a heaven, as certain as I'm going there to prepare a place for you, you don't need to be troubled. I'm coming. I'm going to leave. And when he said he's leaving, he wasn't just, you know, he wasn't going extinct. He was going to a different dimension, a different reality, right? He was going from living in this life, as he did 33 and a half years, going into heaven. And look what he says, I will come back and take you to be with me. Lord Jesus, we want to be with you. Our hearts cry out that we might be with you, Lord Jesus. Lord, that's all we want, is to want to know you and love you and be with you today. Come, Lord Jesus. I've said this over and over. The Bible ends with the Apostle John saying, Come, Lord Jesus. That ought to be the cry of our hearts. Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. I will come back and take you to be with me that you also, that you also may be where I am. He wants us to be with him. In my study, I, you know, um, you know, of this, you know, one, one person commented that, uh, you know, as sure as Jesus is preparing our dwelling for us in heaven, he is preparing us for our dwelling in heaven. And the more we cooperate with Jesus, the more we spend time with him, the more we grow in our devotional life and our love and in our obedience and in our repentance when we fall short, the more prepared we'll be. You know, the goal of it, I remember when one of my, my original church fathers, his name is Brother Doug, just an incredible man of God, the most holy man I've ever known. And he would always say that the goal of the Christian life is that, that we are continually growing to be so much like Jesus, moment by moment, day by day, week by week, year by year, that when we get to the end of our life, we're so much like Jesus that when we take our last breath in this life, and step into the next life, Jesus has very little to do with us because we spent our life growing to know him and be like him so much in this life. And he would say, unfortunately, for most believers, Jesus is going to have to do like a, a completely overwork in our lives. He's going to have to completely change every aspect of us to be made fit for heaven, where we should be growing more and more and more and more to be heavenly creatures moment by moment, day by day, 
and our love and cooperation with Jesus. Um, and so, Father, we do ask you to help us to, to in every aspect of our lives, just uh, live and love and move um, in cooperation with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, that we might be more like you, Jesus, that we might love you more, that we, that we might walk with you more intimately. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And finishing up verse 4, Jesus says, you know the way to the place where I am going. And if you're in Jesus Christ today, you know the way. If you're not in Jesus Christ, if you have not received him, then go back, rewind to wherever we talked about it, and just call on Jesus and ask him to come into your heart, as we said earlier. Um, Jesus is the way to everything. When he says, you know the way to the place where I am going, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, he lives in you by his Holy Spirit. And everywhere you go, the Spirit of Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit is with you. And in every way and in every manner, Jesus Christ is the answer to every aspect of our lives, be it spiritually, physically, emotionally, financially, and relationally, Jesus Christ is the way. So, Let's go now and, you know, what do you want to take with you? Again, how do you, how do you, you're not going to be able to stop certain troubles from coming into your life, but Jesus doesn't want you to be troubled. So continue to not only trust in your heavenly father, but develop your relationship with Jesus Christ today. Spend time with Jesus. Start using the name Jesus more and more and more and more. Pray to Jesus. Cultivate your relationship with Jesus more. Um, Jesus said, with me, all things are possible. Without me, you can do nothing. Um, remember the certainty that, that, that Jesus is guaranteed. He's certain. He came from heaven and he has told you and I that heaven is an absolute certainty. It's not a wonder. It's not a consideration. It's not even a hope. It is. And you and I will be going there if we're in Jesus Christ. He personally is preparing a place for you and I. And remember, he's doing that. He's decorating it. He's preparing it with whatever you're sending forth, whatever treasure you're sending forth by cooperating with him and the advancement of his kingdom and his gospel, right? Um, however you're using your time, your talents, and your money, your treasure today in the advancement of his kingdom um, is what he's preparing your heavenly dwelling with. Remember. Going to heaven has nothing to do with anything you or I do, but your reward in heaven is completely dependent on your cooperation with Jesus Christ in every aspect of your life. Um, remember that, that Jesus does everything with you and for you, and everything he ever did, he did by his own will and volition, his own choice. Jesus is, is, is your full blown God. Sometimes we just think of Jesus as a savior. We think of him as a man, but everything Jesus did, he did by his own choice and his own will as the son of God, God, the son. Um, and remember, heaven is about more than anything, being with Jesus, spending time with Jesus, just loving Jesus, being in the presence of Jesus. Everything else is secondary to that. Well, Father, we love you. We bless you and we thank you. We thank you for the word of God. We thank you for Jesus Christ, our Lord, the Son of God. 
Holy Spirit, we ask you to go ahead of us today. Lead us and guide us in all that we do. In Jesus, for Jesus, to Jesus, and through Jesus. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Thank you for listening to this teaching from Kingdom Discipleship. For more information about our ministry, please visit www.kingdomd.org. If you'd like to email us directly, you can reach us at contact at kingdomd.org.